We're going to jump into the word, but before we do, I just want to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you right now for, for how good you are to us, God. We just pray that as we dive into your word, as we look at the story of Nehemiah, that you'd be speaking to each one of us, that you'd be revealing new things to us, God, um, that you'd be shining your light on um, things in your word that you want to speak to us and things that are going to speak directly to us in our own situations, God. So we just give this time to you, God, where we can just slow down for a minute and just focus on you and what you have put in the Bible. So we thank you once again. In your name we pray, amen. Well, I just want to say that I love strategy. It doesn't matter if it's strategy games, if it is trying to win a really big game at youth or something like that and coming up with like the master plan of how to do it without cheating. Sometimes cheating happens at youth. I'm guilty sometimes. This is recording so now everyone knows. It happens. People cheat. But I love strategy. I have played many kinds of board games that are strategy games, video games that are strategy games. But I also love coming up with strategy for the church. It's just like, love it. Love strategy. And uh, so today, uh, we are going to be talking about strategy and looking at the story of Nehemiah. Uh, a couple years ago, I had someone speak a word over me that uh, um, I have a, this strategy laid out for uh, my areas of ministry, the things that I work in at the church, and that those strategies are good strategies but that God was going to overlay his strategy over my strategy, and I was going to fill in all those little missing pieces all over the place. I was like, oh, that's a really cool word. Like, I, I accept that word. I'm going to pray into that word. Well, almost exactly a year later, um, a lady in our church named Lisa gave me the exact same word, and she did not know a, all about the other one. Like, word for word, except for the addition of balloons, which, yeah, it was good. But after that, I was like, okay, God, seriously, what are you saying to me? And he gave me um, this one little tidbit in that moment. It's like the first layer of his strategy coming over it, and that was prayer. You need more prayer in this area. You need a little more prayer in this area, a little more prayer in this area. And as I started to listen to him and slow down for a second, I was like, yeah, you're right. I do need more prayer in these couple of areas. And as I have, we have started to put more prayer in behind some of those things, we've seen God starting to like move more and more actively in those things. And it's really cool to see. I am still seeking God for more revelation and more of his strategy in all kinds of areas of my life. But uh, I'm just, I love strategy. And it's just really neat to see how God weaves things together. Well, this is the second week in our Build series. Uh, following the story of Nehemiah, Pastor Greg brought a great message two weeks ago. And today we're talking about boots on the ground. Boots on the ground. That means that we're getting to it. We are not just, you know, we're told to stay home because it saves lives right now, and that's good. You know, go sit on your couch for a bit. But we're boots on the ground. We are actively living out the mission of Jesus every day. And... Uh, in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah accomplished an amazing feat. In just 52 days, he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. 52 days. 
I don't know of any building project. Like, we, we've been working on some plans to redo some of the heating stuff in our church, and I've been working on that for a year, and it hasn't even, like, hardly moved. Like, it's 52 days rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Like, that's wild. Had he tried to accomplish this on his own, he would have failed. It wouldn't have happened. But something that was vital to his success was a strategy. But not just any strategy. It was a God strategy. It was something that God had given him a very specific way to accomplish the mission, and he followed that out and accomplished the goal. So today I'm going to be highlighting several things that happened before and during the rebuilding process. And then we're going to get some real practical steps. I love practical steps because it's things that I actually can say, oh, I could do that. Uh, we're going to do some real practical steps that can help us apply some of these things to our lives today. And uh, it's time to get Jesus' strategy active in our lives. Because Jesus' strategy, believe it or not, is better than yours, and it's better than mine. <laughs> so, here we go. I have five key things that happened before and during the process that I want to focus in on. I'm sure there was more things that were going on, but there's five that I really want to focus on. And I'm going to go reasonably quick through these because I really want to focus on how we're going to apply these to us. So number one, are you guys ready for this? If you're at home, I hope you're ready for this. You might want to sit down. If you're standing, you'll be okay too. All right, number one, Nehemiah recognized the problem. There was a problem going on in Jerusalem. And had Nehemiah not heard about it, he would have been oblivious to the problem and therefore would not have needed a strategy. So in chapter 1 of Nehemiah, we find Nehemiah in a conversation with some men from Judah. Starting in verse 3, it says this, They said to me, Things are not going well for those who have returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heavens. Until we recognize what we are facing, it is impossible to form, to, it is impossible to form a strategy to combat it. I'm going to say that again. Until we recognize what we're facing, it is impossible to form a strategy to combat it. If we don't know what it is we are up against, we can't even go ask God for help because we don't know what it is. We could ask God to help reveal it to us, but we still don't know what that thing is. Sometimes it takes someone else pointing out what it is, or we just need to stop and ask what is going on around us. But we need to have a clear picture of what we are facing. So number one, recognize the problem. Nehemiah recognized the problem. Number two, Nehemiah confessed and repented. Continuing on in Nehemiah verse, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, Nehemiah prayed this to God. Listen to my prayer. And I can just imagine him. He's like, he's been fasting, he's been um, crying out to God. I, this is a passionate prayer. This is not some idle kick back in the lazy boy prayer. This is like, I'm on my face before God, crying out to him, listen to my prayer. 
Look down and see me, praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. It's time for us to all get real with God on where we are at, myself included. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short, failed, misstepped. Confession and repentance is an opportunity for us to pivot. It's an opportunity for us to stop going this way and switch directions and get back on track with where God's going. It's an opportunity to give those things, those areas, those uh, shortcomings to God and to refocus, readjust, and realign ourselves with God's plans. This is not about condemnation, but an opportunity to get things right with God and to be set free. So number one, he recognized a problem. Number two, he confessed and he repented. I really like this next one. Number three, Nehemiah claimed scripture in prayer. This is brilliant. If you ever want to see prayers answered, use scripture in it. Claim the promises of God in your prayers. Nehemiah 1, verses 8 and 9, he's still praying, and he says this, Please remember what you told your servant Moses. He's giving something back to God that he said to Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth... I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. Even if you're exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back. See, we need God's word set deep inside of us. So that in times of need, it's ready for us. It's right there, ready for us. Nehemiah claimed the scripture in prayer, knowing God would be faithful to what he had promised. He knew God is faithful and just. He will honor his word. So if God has promised it, claim that promise. Claim the promises of God over your lives. No, we had child dedications today. Claim the promises of God over your children. It's awesome because we can trust God to come through in those promises. What verses do you have memorized that you can claim over situations in your own life? I wish I had more. I wish I memorized more scriptures. I'm working on it. It takes work. It takes dedication. But when we have the word of God deep inside of us, it transforms us. It changes us. And it causes us to be able to claim the promises of God over the situations that are going on around us. So number one, Nehemiah recognized a problem. Two, he confessed and repented where... Things had gone sideways. And number three, he claimed scripture over his situation. Now, number four, Nehemiah received God's strategy. This is getting exciting. I love this. So Nehemiah, uh, 
I have to say, Pastor Kimmy was really choked that she didn't actually get to preach this sermon because she just loves Nehemiah. And uh, so I know she's sitting there a little jealous, but I'm just, I'm loving this too. So it's good. So Nehemiah got permission from the king to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. You know, after all of his praying and all of that, he went before the king and he got permission to go rebuild the walls. And the strategy God had given him was awesome, like really awesome. When Nehemiah got to, Jeru- to Jerusalem, uh, in verse, chapter 2, verse 12, it says this, I slipped out during the night. I actually kind of like that idea. It's that he got to Jerusalem and then he just kind of like, I'm just going to sneak out and just kind of survey the ground, see what's really going on without anyone trying to like tour guide me through the issues. I want to see for myself what's going on without anyone really knowing what I'm here to do yet. So he slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with him. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. The plans God had put in my heart. God had put plans in Nehemiah's heart. He deposited his strategy into Nehemiah. Nehemiah had received instruction from God on how to go about rebuilding. At that point, it's just up to him to be obedient, to follow the directions. It's like, you know, when you buy something from Ikea, you get instruction manual. And it's in every language except for the one you need usually, but... Um, if you follow it, if you can, under, if you can follow the instructions, it's going to go together. It's going to work. If you don't follow the directions, like, you're going to end with six pieces left over, and chances are it's going to break when you go use it. So following the instructions, being obedient to them is very important as well. But God had given him an awesome, awesome strategy. Like, let's remember, he rebuilt these walls in 52 days. I've been renovating a bedroom in my basement for over a year, and some of the drywall's hung. (laughs) He rebuilt walls in 52 days. That's amazing. Proverbs says, ask for wisdom, and it will be given to you. That's in the Bible. That's a promise from God. Claim that. What's God's strategy? Ask for it. Ask for God to give you strategy for your life. Ask for God to give you strategy for your neighborhood. Ask for God to give you strategy for what he's called you to do. Recognize the problem. Confess and repent. Claim scripture. Receive God's strategy. We're moving on to number five. Nehemiah brought others along. This had to be one of the most important parts of the strategy God had given Nehemiah. Bring others along. You can't build a wall around a city by yourself in 52 days, let alone a lifetime. It just isn't going to happen. You need others with you. You got to do it in community. Nehemiah 2, verses 17 and 18 says this, But now I said to them, You know very well what trouble we are in. This is Nehemiah talking. You know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. I can just see him, like, standing on a table saying this to these guys. Let's rebuild, is what he's saying, the wall of Jerusalem, and end this disgrace. 
He cared deeply about the situation that they were in and the disgrace. We are God's people. Why are we being disgraced? Let's get the strategy. Let's rebuild the walls and the disgrace. Then I told them about the gracious hand of God, that the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. And they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. God's plan was never for us to accomplish his strategies or his plans on our own. It was never the plan. He wanted them to work in community, and Jesus himself modeled this with his disciples. He did it in community. He did it with others. So quickly to recap, Nehemiah recognized the problem. He confessed and repented. He claimed scripture in prayer, received God's strategy, and then brought others along to accomplish the restorative work of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. This is essentially Jesus' strategy for the church. It is. It doesn't take much to see the hurts, pains, and troubles in our world. Just look around you, and if you're looking with honest eyes, you'll see them. Guaranteed. It's everywhere. So how do we engage with Jesus' strategy? How do we get boots on the ground? How do we step out and into what God is putting before us? I have a final three things that every single one of us can do. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. Every single one of us can have boots on the ground. And these three things are things that we should constantly be doing and reassessing. And you'll understand that in a moment. We need to know, this number one, we need to know what it is we are building towards. Just like Nehemiah needed to understand the situation, assess what was going on around him, we know what we're building towards. We need to know what the thing is that God has given us to do. What is God asking us to do? What has he put in your heart? What does his word say about our mission You know, like God gave the church very clear directions on what it was here to do. I don't think that God made a mission for the church to do because um, we just needed to be busy. God made the church to accomplish his mission that was there the whole time. That's why he made the church. Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20 says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given them. Pay attention to my strategy, is what he's saying. It works. Really, it does. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus was very clear on mission. He spoke in a lot of parables throughout the New Testament, but he was very clear on this. Go and make disciples, teach them to obey. That's pretty straightforward. We are to make disciples, or you could, you could look at it from this way, apprentices. Lots of us know what an apprentice is. That's a simple way of looking at it. Go to make disciples or apprentices and teach them to obey his commands. 
This is not just Pastor Greg's job or Pastor Kimmy's job. Even though they're awesome at disciple-making, and I have been privileged to be disciples among them, it's not just their job. Every single one of us, if you are listening to this message, you are called to make disciples. You are called to be an apprentice-maker. We just had Hero Maker Sunday again last week. You're called to do it. This isn't a question. This isn't optional. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to make disciples. You're going to make apprentices. It's going to happen. <laughs> I read the devotion while I was writing this. Um, we're doing a, a version Bible devotion with the youth right now called Chosen and Appointed. And uh, it's been really good. But there was a quote in there that said this, you are an apprentice whose purpose is to make more apprentices. I'm going to say that again. You are an apprentice whose purpose is to make more apprentices. Who are you raising up? Who are you discipling or de- apprenticing? Are you pointing, pointing those you influence to Jesus? Fathers, it's Father's Day. This is really important for us to get. And I'm working on this constantly too. Are we pointing our families to Jesus? Are we keeping Jesus central in our families? Are we leading by example, guys? that Jesus is important, his church is important, the mission that he has put us on is important for us and our families? Are we leading well? Are we setting an example? You know, if you haven't been doing this, if you haven't been apprenticing, and I'm not perfect in this by a long shot. I've got a ways to go myself, and I am constantly being discipled by others as well. Confess and repent of it even right now. Recognize the problem, confess and repent. If we say we're followers of Jesus, if we say that we're Christians, we should be discipling others. Ask Jesus to forgive us for not being obedient to his word. And then let's move forward into the strategy that he has put in place, the strategy that he set up a long, long time ago. So we need to know what we're building towards and making disciples is it. Number two, God has placed you strategically. God has put you exactly where you are for such a time as this. He put you where you are. He knows your weaknesses, he knows your strengths, and he knows how awesome you will be at accomplishing his mission. While they were building the walls of Jerusalem, many of the people that were working on it were just regular families like you and me. Just regular people living their lives. But they were regular families rebuilding the wall in front of their own house. They were working right where they were at. They were strategically placed to rebuild the wall right in front of them. What happens when you rebuild a wall right in front of your house? You're going to be passionate about that wall being strong because if you don't do your job well, you're the first one that's going to get attacked because the enemy's going to be like, oh, there's a little opening there. I'm going to go in that way. So you're going to make sure that the wall in front of your house is well built. You know, it talks about men. 
their daughters, their families working together right where they live. Jesus has placed people all around you. We might have experienced a lot of social distancing, quarantine, isolation, you name it, in this past while, but there are still people around you that are a phone call away, a text away, a howdy-doody neighbor over the fence away. Yes, I dated myself. I'm sorry. But they are right there, and you can reach them. You can do it. How are you reaching your neighbors, your classmates, your coworkers, your friends? Your friends need Jesus. In Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said that he will build his church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. He was not talking about the building. Burn the building. The church will continue because the church is not the building. He's talking about people. He will build his church. He will build his people. This is so crucial that we understand that it's easy, it's easy for us to get caught up in programs and activities and things that happen on location. I run half of them with the staff here. It's easy to get caught up in that. But if COVID has given us one thing, it's a reminder that we are not just about buildings. We're about people. Christians, followers of Jesus, we are in the people business. It's all about people. If we're not reaching people, we're not following Jesus. It's simple. If we're not reaching people, we ain't following Jesus. We're not hearing right. We're called, every single one of us, to reach people and point them back to Jesus. His strategy includes using you exactly where you have been placed, exactly where you are. And number three, it's not about us. I love this part. Now, I've been using a lot of really familiar verses, but uh, we really need to understand that what Jesus was pointing out all through the New Testament Matthew 22, verse 37, great commandment. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. While we all have wants, needs, desires, Jesus' strategy was to focus on others. Love God and love people. Bring others along. Train them to obey Jesus' commands. Train them to also love God's people. Train them to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to them. Train them to constantly seek God for eyes to see the world around them for his, from his perspective. How will you respond to the call of God on your life? Jesus is calling all of us to action, not just a few. In the fall, we did a series called Tight Lines, calling everyone to have their hand on the net. It's a fishing term, tight lines. You want your line tight or the fish gets away. But calling every single person in the church to have their hand on the net. Why? Because it's about the people. 
it's never too late. It's never too late to get your hand on that net. It's never too late to be a part of what God is actively doing all around us. We can do this, church. We can take part in his strategy. We can take part in his plan. We can have boots on the ground. What I'm going to do next is I'm going to pray. And as I do, I would love for you to ask God, what is it that you have asked me to do? Is there something specific? We know that he's called us all to make disciples. And, uh, but is there something specific that you've asked me to do? And then ask him if there's anything that you need to confess and repent of. And write them down. Put them in your phone. Write it on your hand if you've got nothing else around. But take note of that thing that God has asked you to do. Maybe it's something that he told you and asked you to do a long time ago but you haven't been obedient to it. Confess that. Say, God, I haven't been obedient to the call of God on my life. I haven't been obedient to reaching the people you've been asking me for years to reach. And then ask for forgiveness for that and be released and be set free into actively pursuing the plan that God has set out before you all that time. Let's commit to walking in obedience to Jesus. Let's commit to being taking part in his plan. So I'm going to pray. And if you're responding to this right now, we have people online that are ready to pray with you. You can click the prayer button. If you're here on location, there are people that are ready to pray with you after the service. Man, let's give it to God. Let's turn our hearts towards him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the strategy that you have set in motion so many years ago. Lord, we recognize where we've misstepped, where we've taken wrong turns, where we've even ignored what you've asked us to do, God, because maybe we've been comfortable, maybe we've been distracted, maybe we've been lazy, maybe we've been hurt. But God, we want to follow you. And by following you, we're called to make disciples. We're called to bring others along. We're called to reach people for you because we live in a desperate world that desperately needs you. So Lord Jesus, as people are responding to this message, as people are reaching out to you and asking you to speak to them, I just pray that you just move through their homes, move through this place here even, and just give them insight, give them wisdom, help them to see the things that were unseen in their lives. We just pray for a spirit of repentance and a spirit of obedience to take over, that we would be able to step out into the things that you've called us to do, that we'd be able to, to get a firm grip that strategy that you've put in our hearts that we wouldn't let go of that any longer but that we would take it and we would run with it that we'd have boots on the ground and accept your strategy over any strategy we may have had for ourselves
So God, I just thank you that you're working in people's hearts right now in their lives. We just pray, God, that you will never stop working in their lives, that they would just continue to reach towards you, ask for wisdom, act in obedience, reach people for Jesus. Now, for some of you listening right now, you might have never even taken that first step of inviting Jesus into your life. This whole thing could be totally new to you. You might be going, I don't even know Jesus yet. How am I supposed to point people to him? I've got really good news for you. It's really easy to get to know him. And it's a simple prayer of inviting him into your life, asking him to lead and guide you, be your, be your Lord. It's an act of surrender. And while Jesus never promised that living a life for him would be easy, he did say that it would be living life to the fullest. Jesus wants a personal relationship with every single person. Our mission at Gateway Church is to redeem the world one life at a time. That one life might be you. We want to walk with you. We want to disciple you or apprentice you into a life-giving, flourishing relationship with Jesus Christ. So if that's you and you're here today, could you raise your hand? Or if you're watching this on Gateway Church Live, just click the slide on the screen and fill out the simple form so that we can be in contact with you because we want to see you be the best version of you you can be. We want to see you walking in full obedience to Jesus. We want to see you developing your relationship with Jesus, learning about what he's called you to do and seeing you live your life to a level that you have never even imagined. So I want to pray with you all right now in response to this message, in response to what we were just talking about, to just invite Jesus into our lives right now. Just close your eyes with me as we pray. Lord Jesus, we just invite you into our hearts right now. Pray that you would come in, do a work inside of us. We recognize that doing things out of our own will, out of our own strategy, out of our own plans, it doesn't work out the way that we want to most of the time. But God, you have something far greater, something far better for us, God. And that's a relationship with you, Jesus. It's a relationship with the creator of heavens and the earth. So God, we just invite you into our lives. We invite you into our hearts. We turn our hearts towards you. And we just say, have your way in our lives. Lead me. Be with me. I want to follow you. In your name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time, I'm so excited for you. You have an unbelievable journey ahead of you. And we won't walk with you every step of the way. So if you filled out that form, we'll be in contact with you. Or you can call the church. You can email the church. Get a hold of us somehow. Send us a DM on Instagram or a PM on Facebook. However you want to reach out to us, get a hold of us because we won't walk with you. And for all of us, I would love for you to remember this. Jesus' strategy is better than yours. It's better than mine.